Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. Right now, though, we head to Manchester to catch up with the busiest man in Manchester. Thanks so much for your time, Ben Ransom. You probably had, uh, haven't had time to breathe, let alone have a beer. How you doing, mate? Yeah, it has been a pretty crazy 24 hours or so in Manchester, both sides of the city in terms of United and City with massive news. Um, The landscape changing slightly at the red side, the landscape staying the same at the blue side. Uh, But yeah, very eventful. Very eventful. Now, let's start with the Glazers deciding to put United up for sale. This sort of came out yesterday uh, that they had let their banks know and, and, you know, you you guys at Sky Sport in the UK got onto this and said, well, it's not come out official from the club as yet, but like we understand that they have asked their banks to go ahead with the sale of the club. What are you expecting, mate? Um, How long do you think this process will take? Who do you think will be interested? I mean, look, that's the $5 billion question um, because that's the sort of price we're expecting it to cost whoever does want to come in. Um, I've been around the club the last uh, couple of days. I got scrambled there late last night when um, we got wind that this news was going to break. And um, certainly the sense I get is that a sale is more likely at this stage than not. Now, in the official statement, when it eventually did come, um, the Glazer family, uh, Avram and Joel Glazer, both uh, putting their name to it, and they suggested that they were looking to explore getting options to get more revenue in, essentially, because the club needs money. Um, the infrastructure, particularly Old Trafford, the Carrington training complex, but also on the pitch as well. So it seems as though the Glazers have reached the conclusion that it's not going to be money out of their pocket. It's not going to sue them to borrow even more to plough into the club. They can kind of cut their losses or cut their wins, I should say, really, Mm. because they've taken a fair amount of money out of Manchester United and run. Um, So I think a sale is more likely than not, even though the statement did just offer a little bit of caution to suggest that nothing may take place ultimately. I think... When we look back at what happened at Chelsea in the summer, there were so many interested parties that I would expect a similar kind of interest for Manchester United, which would obviously drive the price up as well. And it's the same group that sold Chelsea are going to be selling Manchester United. So they've got a track record of doing just that. And something that was interesting in the statement when it did come out from the club itself was pointing to their 1.1 billion followers around the world. And that's either fans or people that engage with them on all their social platforms and the like. And I think what they were trying to say is, look, even though on the pitch United has dropped quite a long way away from Europe's elite, they are still in their view, one of, if not the biggest club, the most marketable club in the world. And on that basis, it will command the premium figure. Should anyone, assuming they do come forward and be able to complete a deal. There has been some speculation that given that Liverpool, um, FSG have put them up for sale at the same time, uh, that that could could flatten the market a little bit. Maybe, you know, if you look at FSG, you look at the Glazers, are they looking at the Premier League and thinking, well, it's peaked, it's not going to get any better than this, so we'll get out, will we uh, recoup the most money? 
I think there's elements of that. I think um, there is a factor of the European Super League kind of crashing and burning and that project seemingly completely disappearing because obviously it's understandable that the American ownership of both clubs were interested in that Super League, which is why they signed up, because it basically promised an opportunity to make untold wealth and revenue, you know, explore new streams much bigger than either the Premier League and Champions League could offer. So like um, when that deal and that option was kind of denied and ended and it fell down, I think that I suspect set both ownership groups on this kind of path. Um, they've seen what's happened at Chelsea. They've seen the premium price of £2.5 billion for that club. And I think both ownership groups would want more for each of them. I think United commands more than Liverpool just on its historical, uh, historical performance in the Premier League, certainly, but also its global attraction that I was talking about before. Uh, that brand is so powerful. Um, but even so, look, I mean, there will be these will be hugely tempting clubs as much as of course two being on the market at once will flatten the market slightly you've also got to consider this is potentially a once in a lifetime opportunity to get your hands on a premium sports entity now in the shape of United uh, I would imagine that we would see interest and admiring glances from uh, maybe Qatar there's talk that they're looking to buy a Premier League club um You'd imagine possibly some, someone else in the Middle East. Could there be a private bid from Saudi Arabia? Or, you know, could it be, I mean, American investors seem as likely as anyone as well. That's certainly uh, something that's been speculated. Or could Jim Ratcliffe, the, the man who, in theory, had a chat with the Glazers, Britain's richest man, uh, a few months ago and was told it wasn't for sale. He tentatively explored Chelsea very late on in that process. Could he be tempted in as well? So, I mean, look, in terms of United, I don't think there will be a shortage of interest. I think for Liverpool, it may slightly just stilt their options, I guess, because United would be the more desirable of the two. Yeah, interesting. Uh, the the rules around how you can buy a club have been changed um, by the Premier League in the wake of the way that the Glazers loaded the club with debt. So whoever comes in can now no longer treat it like they're buying a house and, and load all the debt on the club, can they? They have to buy it outright, and I f effectively make the club debt free. Yes, they've got a. Um, they'll have to cover essentially the the debts uh, that the Glazers have got too, which we understand is kind of in the region of seven hundred, eight hundred million pounds. Um, they've always been able to manage that debt, but again, that probably plays into another reason why the Glazers at this point feel it's probably time to cash in. I mean, look, we all know the global economic situation is looking fairly bleak. In the UK, certainly interest rates are rising, and you'd imagine that'll be reflected across the globe as well. Um, and on that basis, it's not much fun having loans uh, that might in at some point in the future be um, subject to interest rate changes, particularly if the interest rate's going up. So again, that probably plays into their situation as well. Alongside, let's not forget, near on 20 years of protest. I mean, ever since the Glazers took control right back in 2004, 2005, there's been support to protest about their ownership model, their strategy, and as you say, loading all that down to the club. And that's not really gone away. And again, when the European Super League attempt happened, obviously we saw huge protest again. And again, it's kind of just kept that dissatisfaction, that disconnect between fans and owners. That's never going to go away. I think the Glazers have realised that now. And I just wonder whether they just think, look, time to take what money we've got. We've, you know, the, the estimate today I saw was that they've taken something like one, one and a half billion pounds out of the club anyway, during their ownership through kind of um, money's earned. So in that respect, they've done pretty well out of Manchester United. And should they be able to sell it for a premium of five, six billion 
pound fee, then really it represents good business. And as you say, perhaps this is about as good an opportunity and a moment to sell a club as we're going to get for the foreseeable future. Now, there has been some talk, uh, Ben, and I don't know what you made of it, but uh, that the, this, came, this came on the back of uh, Cristiano Ronaldo effectively being sacked or, you know, mutual termination of his contract, depending which which term you want to use. Uh, do you think the two were in any way related? Uh, no, not at all. Um, the, I, I've been, as you know, in and around Manchester. I mean, I was I was here in Manchester when they took over in 2005. I went away for a bit, but I've come back. Uh, so I've been following this story for a long time, both as a kind of young reporter and now as a sports reporter for Sky Sports. And no, look, the Glazers up until this point have never, ever, ever entertained offers to sell the club. This is not on a whim. This is not because Cristiano Ronaldo sat down with Piers Morgan a week or two ago and, and said some nasty things about various people that they want to sell. Absolutely not. This is something they would have been thinking about for a while. Um, I suspect this goes back to possibly the summer when they must have been thinking and looking ahead and projecting where this might lead. And as I say, you don't, you know, this Manchester United is a huge global entity and it's a club where things take a lot of time. I mean, look back to their recruitment process of the kind of um, the director of football and technical directors. I mean, those processes went on for ages. It's a club that has often been hamstrung in many ways by the fact that the Glazer family want to be so hands-on. So there's no way that within a week after Ronaldo does an interview, they are going to put the wheels in motion to sell the club that quickly. I mean, this is something, I'm, just, I'm almost certain of it, uh, that's been going on for a long time. Yeah, they, they kind of live up to the names. They they move glacially, don't they? Um, the Glazers. <laughs> yes, they really do. That's perfect. Yeah, nothing no, nothing really happens at any pace. Uh, well, on Cristiano Ronaldo, then that was just the inevitable, wasn't it? I mean, uh, you know, we we're, we're a few weeks uh, past, you know, the, when that news first came out that he was going to be doing this, uh, this interview, or well, he'd done this interview with Piers Morgan, it was going to be getting made public. Um, one way to get yourself sacked. Um, I know he's offered himself to Real Madrid, who don't seem to want him. Bayern have distanced themselves. Uh, Todd Bowley at Chelsea still seems to like the idea, though. I mean, Newcastle, where do you think he's going to end up? Yeah, it's, it really is fascinating because he doesn't appear to have a lot of options. And certainly I was told that in the summer, there wasn't any concrete offer made for him. Now, there was some talk of a move to Saudi Arabia, but at the time, I think um, there was something that prevented that. I think it was something to do with they they wanted to just pause the amount of money they were spending on all their various sporting ventures in that country. So that offer got pulled, even though it was kind of on the table. There was talk about a return to Sporting Lisbon, but even though they said, I think, that they could sort the finances actually, even though we all thought that was probably the stumbling block, again, the manager just thought, like, do I really want to go back? I've started a project building a way of playing with young players. Do I really want to potentially reverse that project two years by bringing in Ronaldo? It doesn't necessarily fit the bill. Um, Chelsea were very interested. You're right, Todd Bowley in the summer wanted to sign him. It was Thomas Tuchel then who decided he didn't want Ronaldo put his foot down Tuchel since gone but honestly I can't imagine Graham Potter's going to be any more receptive to having Cristiano Ronaldo in that dressing room and uh, not the way he's worked and the fact that he's always worked with lots of players at smaller clubs and is all about the team ethic as well Newcastle they're onto a great thing and I'd imagine the ownership model have, have probably given Eddie Howe carte blanche to do what he wants at the moment because he started so well better than they could have imagined as much as I'm sure from afar and from the um, the Emirati of Saudi Arabia they may look over and think well actually having Ronaldo would be a massive coup for the club in terms of global scale Eddie Howe I'm 
again, pretty sure wouldn't really want to risk upsetting what is at the moment a very harmonious dressing room there. And you're right. And then, you you know, if Real Madrid, Bayern Munich and PSG are kind of distancing themselves, where on earth does he go? And that is, it's a huge question. And it'll be fascinating to see how this plays out because we are potentially in the position where we were in the summer, where one of the world's greatest players of all time hasn't got anyone who's willing to put their money with their mouth isn't signing, which is just ridiculous. Yeah, so I mean, it's got to be a blow for the ego, you've got to imagine, and that certainly has come to the fore. Uh, I mean, it feels to me like from a purely a football point of view, if you're going to sign Cristiano Ronaldo, you need to be a team that dominates possession um, because he obviously he doesn't want to use his sprints up per game on closing the opposition. He wants to use it for taking breaks. So, I mean, if you look at that, that I don't even know if that works for Chelsea, does it? Because they don't keep the ball like, say, a Barcelona in their heyday did. No, and even that Barcelona team, because we see a guise of it now, don't we, um, at Manchester City, is that a big part of that is still that high press to win the ball back. And, I, you know, Ronaldo suggested in that interview that he was close to joining City in the summer. Well, that's not qu- quite how it is viewed from the Manchester City side, I can tell you that. So, he doesn't seem to fit into that style of play. And, even and, and you know, when we talk about City, they are the club, if there's going to be a club in the world, who dominate the possession of the ball more than anyone else. And yet they also need strikers, as we, we've seen, who will press. I mean, look, Haaland is perhaps slightly different. But again, Haaland has a burst of pace in a sprint that, yes, Ronaldo 10 years ago would have been able to emulate, but he, he isn't quite the same player, is he? So... As terms, in terms of dynamic and team shape, it is so hard because, again, you talk about the ego. He will only want to go and play for a club that, well, first of all, he wants to go and play for a club that wants him. But also he sees himself at a certain level, which is obviously why he was, you know, talking up in that interview the possibility of Real Madrid or Paris Saint-Germain. But again, both those clubs are going to struggle to accommodate him. I mean, out of all of them, you'd say Real Madrid is probably the most likely to come up with some sort of solution because I suppose they probably would see the marketing value and they might be able to carry him a bit more given that half the games in La Liga, they can win at a canter. But even so, maybe with all the money they've spent on the Bernabeu, they're just in no position financially right now to do it. I mean, that's the this is why it's such a fascinating situation. Well, you mentioned Man City there. Of course, there's been big news out of Manchester City that Pep Guardiola's signed a, a two-year extension as well, mate. Uh, I know it's one of the many stories you were covering today running around Manchester. Has this been flagged at all? I mean, it seems very pep to do it off the back of an Argentine, uh, Argentina upset at a World Cup so no one pays attention. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, I think we, um, I think we all knew it was coming. Um, the fact that this, I mean, I'd spoken with so many of my colleagues in and around kind of the Manchester City press pack over the last few months. And even though there was nothing from the club to suggest it was happening now, and even though when asked publicly in press conferences, Pep Guardiola always shot down the questions and said no. I mean, he told me maybe six months ago that he'd wait till the end of the season or towards the end of the season before he decided his future. But even at the time, I thought that was really unlikely. Um, and, you know, we all were saying, look, Obviously, there's a World Cup break. He's going to go to Abu Dhabi. He's going to have the conversation. Previously, when he's extended his contract, he's done it around this time of year. And the club, don't forget, will have learned a lesson from the way that Manuel Pellegrini departed um, when essentially his contract was allowed to run right down to the end of the season. Players, I'm not going to say down tools, but of course, his words in the dressing room were, you know, they suddenly became, they carried a lot less weight because all the players knew he was off in a few months. And that season really did peter out. Um they they would never want to let themselves get in that situation again, and on that basis, 
it was always going to happen at this point in time. So I'm just pleased in that sense that at least it's out and we don't have to worry about any more speculation. And it's, I mean, it's an amazing signing for City again because he's been so good. I love the little Twitter video he put out saying, effectively, sorry guys, I'm staying for a, a bit longer. Um, and I'm sure maybe Jurgen Klopp and others might have just kind of had that old smack their foreheads with their palms thinking, oh, crumbs, I thought we might get rid of him at the end of the season. <laughs> it will take him up to nine years at Manchester City, which is pretty much double what he spent at Barcelona in any kind of coaching or managerial capacity, which is remarkable. Um, and his, you know, I suppose his dynasty won't quite be complete unless he wins that Champions League trophy. But with Haaland in the side for two seasons, you'd have to say they've got as good a chance as any. You'd have to think so, mate. You'd have to think so. Of course, we do have a World Cup on at the moment, Ben. And just before I let you go, I've got to say, what did you make of that very non-Southgate performance from England against Iran? I mean, everything I'd read and looked at and listened to said it was going to be a 1-0 grind, probably Harry Kane from the penalty spot in the 79th minute type thing. So I didn't bother getting up for the game because it was 2 o'clock in the morning here. I thought, oh, God, it'll just put me back to sleep. I'll watch the highlights later. Wake up and see it's 6-2. What's going on? Yeah, it was a really good performance, actually. I think the most encouraging thing from an England point of view was that attacking quintet. They played really well. Um, I think that Playing four at the back allowed them to have a little bit more going forward. And I think that was the right decision from Gareth Southgate. I mean, look, partly his hands are tied in that we haven't got many fit centre-halves, really. But actually, I think he knew they were going to dominate position. I think he had to trust the, uh, a back four. And it worked really well because what it enabled is just that that kind of uh, five forward players to all get involved in the attack and it involved Kane, you know, allowed Kane to play very centrally. I thought Bakayo Saka was absolutely excellent uh, on the flank and yeah, it was really good. Duke Bellingham, uh, it allowed him to kind of get forward a bit more than he perhaps he sometimes can when he's paired in that central midfield of a four uh, with Declan Rice. So yeah, I think they played really well and I think um, look, the reason for the negativity is because England traditionally haven't started well at major tournaments. I mean, it's really tough. And actually, if you think about some of the upsets that we've seen at this tournament already, I mean, Germany most notably today, Argentina, as you've already mentioned, they're the sort of results that England are on the receiving end of uh, and have been throughout my whole lifetime. I mean, I, I put a tweet out the other day, I think 12 opening matches at major tournaments that I remember watching. And I think there have been two wins out of those 12 until this team came together. And then lo and behold, Russia, the Euros and this one, England's youngsters have been absolutely fantastic. So that's why I really like this team. They It'll give them huge confidence. It's a great result at the right time. They now need to carry that into the United States game, which will be more difficult uh, than the Iran match. There's no doubt about that. But if they can win again and put themselves essentially into the next round, that'll be a huge boost going into the Wales game because essentially it takes any pressure off and it allows Gareth Southgate to rotate and just try and get some minutes in some legs because already, I mean, there were some pretty ferocious tackles and some of them were just a bit silly in that Iran game. Um, it was, it reminded me of kind of like almost like Sunday league or school football where people were just hacking each other down when they were getting tired. And Harry Kane, unfortunately, took that knock, didn't he, to his ankle in the mm. second half. We're told he is back training, but to lose him, would be a massive blow. So I think actually managing the squad is going to be absolutely crucial for all of the teams who are looking to go past the group stage in this tournament. Yeah, good stuff. Ben, thanks very much, mate. I'll let you put your feet up and, and, and grab that uh, well-earned brewski. Uh, the busiest man in Manchester, a, a title well-earned after today. I will look forward to it. I've, uh, yeah, dry mouth now. So we're going to go to the fridge right away. Thanks, Ricardo. No worries. Uh, this has been Ransom Cross brought to you by Stella Artois, of course. Uh, 9.25. Thanks, Ben. Go well. Uh, we'll be back after this. 
Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 91 91.